I'd like for you to think this afternoon of people who have influenced your life spiritually. Just relax for a moment and go back, if you can, to the very beginning. Perhaps the person that led you to the Lord or pointed you to Christ or influenced you in the gospel. And then along the way, most of us, I think, would find ourselves very fortunate that we've had good influence. Some of us, and I include myself, might remember some not so good influence. Critics, um, discouragers, time eaters, strength suckers. <laughs> you, you know where I'm going with this. Nevertheless, uh, as we think back, um, as I think back, I, I, I can number men. As a matter of fact, I made my own little list here of people starting with the man that led me to the Lord and how he tremendously influenced my life. And then other men and women who have encouraged me along the way. Now, I'd like to make this statement. I don't think I ever had a formal sit-down Bible class, Bible training, uh, Bible studies with most of these people, maybe the odd time, but it, it was nothing that, that, that continued on. I'm giving you this as a preface for what we're going to take up this afternoon is because many of you will think, well, that's, I can't do that. Do what? Pass on to others. I, I'm not a Bible teacher. I, I don't teach Sunday school. I, I don't lead a lady's study. Um, I'm just a Christian. I, I'm just an ordinary Christian. I, I, I try to give. I try to encourage. I take a little part here and there. But I am not qualified in any way to disciple others. You're wrong. You are wrong. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you are qualified because you have something to pass on. If, if you've been saved for any length of time, you have experience to pass on. You have your own study of the Word of God. You say, well, I, I, I have some of that, but I'm not capable of passing that on. In, in what format? Perhaps you can't make notes or outlines or somehow dissect and expose the scriptures uh, like a Bible teacher, like we heard in our last session, our brother Randy is doing for us. It's like going to Bible school, isn't it? It's like going to theology class. We're going to learn about God. And, and there it is, just lined out. You say, well, I could never do that. Well, you don't have to. 
If you can, thank God for that gift as you develop that and use it. But, but in this short list that I made of people that just stand out in my life, they didn't do any of those formal outlines, sit down day after day, week after week, year after year. But let me tell you something. They handed down to me a lifestyle that was God-honoring, Christ-exalting, that you would do well to follow. That's our subject this afternoon. Our strategy for going on. Let's take our Bibles, please, and look again at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll read for you again the first seven verses. Watch your Bible, please. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. <clears throat> as, as you think of people who may have influenced your life for the good, uh, little markers along the way. I want you to also think of, people's, of people whose lives you have influenced. Um, just hold your hand here and let's go uh, to Hebrews uh, 13, just for a moment. Hebrews 13. Notice uh, verse 7. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Excuse me. <clears throat> Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. <clears throat> Being in the Lord's work for a number of years and doing as much traveling as I do, what most often happens is just sort of common, it's routine now, uh, especially if it's a new place, if you go to a place you haven't been before. 
It won't take long for someone to come up and say, what do you do if you don't agree with your elders? Uh, it's just like, uh, uh, we had a problem with our elders and uh, we, we're, we, we're not sure what to do with this or how, how to react to that or do that. And uh, it, it, the, the more you talk about that, the more you understand that this person who's come to you really doesn't think that the elders ought to be elders. And so I, I guess they forget that God moves kings and queens like checkers on a checkerboard, probably in charge of his church too. And uh, do I say that to say that every person in leadership is necessarily qualified to be in that position? Well, I don't know, it's not my church, it's the Lord's church. Are people, uh, are, are there people who take the, uh, the work or the position of an elder that shouldn't be elders? I, 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 I don't know, probably, maybe, I'm not sure. Does that mean God is out of control? No. God is quite capable. Why do I say these things? I say these things because we're admonished in Scripture, not only in this verse 7, but also later in 17, I believe it is, in the same chapter. We're admonished to submit ourselves to those in authority over us. I never uh, thought my parents had it all together for a long time in my life <laughs> when I was a kid and then later as a teenager, I thought they don't know nothing, you know, like uh, it's amazing how much they learned when I turned 20 something, you know. So sometimes it's just a growing thing. Sometimes it's not a growing thing. There's an obvious problem and everybody knows it, but the elder himself, or if he does, he doesn't want to do anything about it. But it's not really our problem, uh, in a sense. We, we are admonished in scripture to obey those who are in authority over us. In the verse I read, it, 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 it tells us that we're to follow, whose faith follow. Please read the scriptures carefully. carefully. Not whose faults follow. Not whose weaknesses follow. Not whose failures follow, whose faith. Now surely, it's like uh, oftentimes I think I try to admonish young married couples. If you're having troubles, the wife never goes to a ladies meeting and says, oh, my husband, I don't know what I'm gonna do with him, you know? Well, he's not the bad guy. He, he's got some, fa some faults and failures, but you don't go and blab it all over the place. That, that's something that is confined within your own marriage or, or perhaps to your closest friend or counselor or someone like that. But why is it that we think we can go out and rake our elders over the coals in front of everybody? That's not good. You, you shouldn't do that. You say, but you don't know them. You're right, I don't know them. But they're not all bad. They have some good points. And I think this is what the scriptures are trying to tell us. Those who have the rule over you, we are to submit to them. And we are to follow their good things. Whose faith follow. Whose example, when it's a good example, follow. Not bad examples. Not, not temper tantrums, not words that are not guarded, not attitudes that are wrong, but whose faith follow. 
You can learn a lot from just about anybody if you're careful and discerning. There's a lot of good Christian material hanging around out in the media today, but you gotta sort through it, you know what I mean? Like some of it is just not worth reading and on the next page it might be something very profound. You gotta have the ability to sort through that. Whose faith follow? We're, we're, not, a peop we're not a people who are supposed to fight with one another. We're supposed to be a people who show the world that we belong to Jesus by our love for one another. It's incredible, really. Love is mainly manifested in giving, so if we just started practicing that, it'd probably help. Giving our time, giving our resources, developing our gifts for others and using them for the benefit others so God has a plan God has a strategy God has order there's order in the Godhead there's order in the home there's order in the church one thing you must get in your head is that uh, God talks about order not superiority or inferiority but order it's not to say that one person is less significant and another person is more significant in the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the, the assemblies pride themselves and we don't believe in clergy and laity. Well, why do we act like it then? If we don't believe in it. If we think that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, we recognize gifts. We recognize the different gifts. Um, Someone told me years ago, I didn't like it then, I still don't like it. You're not a servant until they treat you like one, you know. We don't want to be treated like servants. A servant just says, yes, master, <laughs> sit here, do this, go get that, do that, go over here, clean that up, go back here. Wait a minute, who do you think you are telling me what to do? Well, aren't you a servant? <laughs> you know, so we get the whole thing out of balance. So when it, when it comes to God's strategy... There, there's all kind of ways you could go here. I, I, I mean, uh, we, we could talk about maturing in the Lord. We could talk about our theme verse, uh, which is in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, let us go on. That, feel, that lands on the background in the context of those who have known the Lord long enough. They should be teaching others, and they've got to be taught again. Okay, so the whole thing is starting over. Okay, but let's think about passing on. For a moment. Think about developing and being developed as we go on for the Lord. Uh, notice just verse 2 again, and that'll be our section this afternoon. Just verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among, or it could be translated, I understand, by many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Before I make too many comments there, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hold your hand here, we'll be right back. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, 
In verse 9, eye has not seen, neither ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we've not Sorry. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13, which things also we speak. I'm assuming he's, the we here would be the apostles, the teachers. Which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, I understand you could translate it like this, spiritual principles, spiritual truths with spiritual words is the idea. We pass it along, but God has a way. It's God's work, God's way. It's, it's not God's work, Hollywood's way. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a, a route, a pathway to accomplish that purpose. Now, as Paul writes this to Timothy, he says, Timothy, look, he said, um, you, you're going to need to know that the only thing that's going to take you through this whole process is grace. You're not going to make it any other way. Grace is going to bring you through. And, and, and as you're working through uh, your gifts, your responsibility, your ministry, uh, get this catchphrase. Are you ready for it? Please, if you forget everything else this afternoon, get this. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Bring somebody with you. I don't know how many times I, I've heard people say, we need more elders. Make them. Make them. See, you can't make an elder. It's God, God calls elders. You can get them mature in the word enough to be called. You can help them develop their gift. Everybody's not going to be an elder. I understand that. But to stand back and say, we need more, we need more committed men. We, we need more teachers. We need more helpers. Make them. One of the big, I mean, who am I? I'm just from Mississippi. What would I know? My goodness. One of the big problems is that the generation ahead of me, that generation, or maybe two, it has been my observation that most of the men in leadership were never discipled. They, they just weren't somehow, uh, I, don't, I don't know how that happened. I, I, I don't know, just nobody took time with them somehow. Uh, it kind of, in, in my experience, this is, this is what I've been exposed to and what I've heard. An assembly's been there for X number of years. It's got X number of elders. 
and they get older and older and older and one dies and you got one left and somebody says, we need some other elders. And the guy says, look, uh, you, you better come and help us. They weren't discipled. They weren't trained. Listen, this doesn't have to be as formal as your thinking in your mind, okay? But they were not terribly influenced by others. They just somehow assumed this responsibility. And because they never thought about it in the sense that maybe we should be pouring our lives out to others so that when we're not here, they can carry on. They didn't do that. And so the next generation that came in, they didn't do that either. It's kind of like, if you come to the meetings, you know, if you come to all the meetings, you're doing great. Like, that's all we require of you. Just, you know, come to all the meetings. And, well, I hope you're at all the meetings. That's great. <laughs> but, but that's not all. That's not everything. I have learned more on a hunting trip, around a cup of coffee, Riding in a car to a conference, of which the person I was riding with was not a preacher or a teacher. I've learned more sometimes in just being exposed to someone's life, seeing, seeing how they operated in everyday life, seeing them operate in their business environment, seeing them in, in their home environment. Um, Seeing them live out 24-7 behind closed doors and pulled drapes, what living for Christ is all about. Watch how they treat their wife, how they speak to their children. There was an old man who came, I don't, even, I don't know his name. He, he, spent the, he spent the night in our home. I can't remember, it's too long ago. I, I don't even, he came with a brother that I'm, that I'm, that, that's on my list here of people who influenced my life, okay? He, he came visiting with that brother to our home and he spent the night in our home one night. My, my study at that time was in the basement and it was after everybody retired, okay? And, and, and I went down into my study to get something that night. The door was opened a little bit in, uh, in the guest room in the basement with a night light on, I saw this old man on the floor with his face to the ground praying. He didn't know I was going to be there. He, he never expected to see me. I never forget that. It influenced my life. It's hard for me to pray if I don't stand or get down sometimes. It's hard for me to do that. Not that any particular position maybe is more honoring to the Lord but most of the time in the Bible when they prayed they got down but all I'm saying is that man passed on something to me unconsciously that has never left my mind that's over 30 years ago I, I, I wanted to I, I, I like that. I want to do that. Sometimes I just can't help it. I just got to get on the floor. I can't help it. And how did I cross that bridge? How did I get encouraged to do that? Who, who discipled me? Who handed that down to me so that, uh, that my life could be influenced that way? A man, I can't even remember his name, and he never knew I saw him that night. 
Who are you influencing? What kind of influence are you? Little eyes are watching. It might be grandchildren or great-grandchildren now, but they're watching, you know. And, and babies in Christ are watching, folks. Did, did, did you ever consider when the Lord says, if, if, any, if, if any man offend one of these little ones, that by application we can take that as new Christians? This severe judgment pronounced on people who offend little ones. What are we teaching little ones? You say, well, I, I, I'm not a teacher. I don't. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. People are watching you. Notice the language here in verse 2. The things that thou hast heard of me by many witnesses. Um, what do people hear about you? <laughs> What's your testimony? What's the general understanding of your life as a Christian? Imagine for a moment an elders meeting and, and your name and your family's name comes up and the elders go, oh, brother, what are we going to do with those people? They're never happy, you know. We can't make them happy. I don't know what we're going to do with them. Or... Your name or your family's name comes up and the elders say, oh, I would to God we had an assembly full of families like that. People know you for who you are, really. I mean, we, we can pull it off on Sundays and Wednesdays or whenever your prayer meeting is. And, and in camp, we put on our best face and, you know, but what are we really like? Eventually, it shines through. You always have a critical spirit. You always have a word of encouragement. Are, are, are you always looking for opportunities to just to encourage someone along the way? Or do you say, you know what? I don't think what he said was right. I, I, I'm going to talk to him about that. There's nothing wrong with constructive criticism. My goodness. Uh, if any man has done any kind of preaching at all, you know it's all not how nice you did, Brother Joe, <laughs> you know. I mean, you get it, you know. Nothing wrong with, with, with godly men and women coming up and saying, now, brother, uh, you know. But when we have a critical spirit, what do people hear about you? What is your testimony? How do you want to be remembered? What kind of legacy are you leaving behind? Who, who are you influencing along the track behind you? The things. I wonder what kind of things. Uh, the, the way that I love the Lord, the way that I express that, um, my influence in the meeting, my influence in my family, the way I run my business, the things that you have heard of me by many witnesses. Notice, those things, those things, I want you to deposit in trust, commit. 
uh, I understand this is the same word the Lord Jesus used when he said from the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend. I totally give it over. <clears throat> if, you, if you had a large sum of money and you wanted to make sure that that was properly cared for um, and used wisely for the Lord, you'd be very careful who you entrusted that money with. You, you wouldn't just say, does anybody here like to take care of $3 million for me? I'd just like to turn that over to you, you know. You'd be very careful with that. How about things that are indescribably worth more than any monetary value you could put on something on earth. How about the eternal word of the living God deposited into the heart and the life of a young man or a young woman sort of at the end of your journey? You, you've, you've got to somehow trust that person uh, that, that they're not going to use that unwisely, but wisely. So you'd be very careful who you would pick. Um, and so he says, the things, the doctrine, the teachings of Christ, the apostles' doctrine, uh, our New Testament as we see it, the epistles, and, and, and all that we've been instructed to do, uh, you, you be very careful who you hand that to. Matter of fact, you commit that, you deposit that into the heart of uh, people you can count on. You say, well, they're, they're young and they're inexperienced, but are they faithful? But they're not teachers, they, they can't, but are they faithful? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know if they would ever, but are they faithful? How do you determine if someone is faithful or not? That's required in stewards that a man be faithful. As I look at this from a practical point of view, over the years, I've tried formally and informally to disciple other men. I have been discipled, as I've shared that with you, some more formal than others, but been discipled. You, you should either be, well, you, sh you should be being discipled and you should be discipling at the same time. There's always someone who knows more than you. You could gain from them. There's always someone who knows less than you. You could bring up that person spiritually, perhaps to your own level. But who qualifies? Would, would I qualify? Do you qualify for someone to entrust the teachings of Scripture, the principles of our Lord Jesus Christ to you so that you're going to be able. Notice it says, who shall be able. They, they're not able right now, but they're going to be able to teach others. See, the strategy in going on is that at the end of the race, or it, not necessarily at the very end, but as you run along, you take the baton 
and, and you hand it on to the next person. This is the way it's got to work. This is the strategy. None of us cross the finish line first, and we're not going to be the last. But we keep handing on the baton. Just keep handing it on, handing it on. My unsafe father taught me that my word was worth something. Unsafe father. He said, son, if you make a promise, you keep it now. If you tell somebody you're going to be there at 3 o'clock, son, you be there at 3 o'clock, okay? You get a job, you go to work, you be on time every time you go. Faithfulness, consistency. Over the years, like I said, I've tried to do this, and it seems like I haven't had very, I wouldn't say that I've had extreme results in this area at all. It seems as though that the problem I've had is that um, the, the people that I've tried to hand it down to, to commit it to, don't want to seem to be consistent somehow. Uh, they, they, they don't seem to want to, well, I mean, a simple thing. Uh, we're going to meet at 2 o'clock or 8 o'clock or whatever. It doesn't matter. And... Uh, First couple of weeks, bang, right on time. Then something happened. Then something else happened. And then you don't know where they are. And you're sitting there at a, at a place you're going to meet them or at your home. And uh, there's nobody there. And you call, oh, I forgot. Oh, I'll be right over. And then it's, well, uh, you know, I had something else to do. Yeah, I, I realize life has unexpected things. But listen, call. That's all you got to do. We got cell phones all over the place. Call a person and say something has come up. Do you not even have the decency to do that? How can you pour your life, what little you may know, what things you are passing on, to someone who doesn't even have the decency to show up when you've arranged a time to, to get together and pray or read the Bible and do something like that? Faithful. I know I'm preaching to the choir here this afternoon. I understand that. I'm not on your case, okay? But what I'm saying is we got to seek them out. And, and, and sometimes, you, you know what I see here? I see Paul taking Timothy by the shoulders. And he's giving him one of these. Do you get me? Look, look at my face. We do not have time to waste time on people who don't mean business for Christ. If that sounds harsh, I'm sorry. It has been my experience. If you don't call, if you don't pick them up, if you don't remind them, if you don't take them home, if you, they don't do it. They're not, they're not motivated. Now, it takes time to learn. To, to evaluate that, you don't say, well, the first time you were five minutes late, that's it for you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a consistency here that says they don't really want to do this. <coughs> Find somebody, please. Have them over to your home. 
have supper with them, uh, read the scriptures with them, men and women, older men teaching younger, younger men, older women teaching younger women. Listen, it doesn't have to be a formal sit down in the class one hour, okay, that's it, you go home, I got somebody else coming in now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about passing on a lifestyle of faithfulness to someone else who is faithful. Some of the greatest lessons I have learned in my Christian life have not come from the classroom. It has come from individuals who have sold out for Jesus Christ. And somehow you just want to imitate them. You just say, that's, that's something. I'd like to grow up to be like that myself. It is not easy. It is hard. That's the reason I, I often wonder if, if verse 3 is attached with verse 2. Because verse 3 says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, now I know he talked about war and all that after in, in, in verse, uh, in verse uh, 4. But sometimes I think this is, this is such hard work. You, you must learn perseverance. You must learn endurance. It is not going to happen with every person that you try to influence or and somehow disciple with your life. Some years ago, there was a young man in our assembly who had worked hard, he had saved up his money, and he said that he wanted to go off to a formal training facility uh, uh, to, to learn uh, more about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were several universities or Bible colleges uh, that offered a course in church planning or serving the Lord or mission endeavors or something like that. He came to me and he talked to me about that. And I, I said, I have, I have a, a, a suggestion. I said, if, if, if you can take a year off, if you've saved your money and you can take a year off, I said, don't go to Bible school. I said, um, there's a, there's a couple of guys here in the area who are in the Lord's work full time. Why don't you just, why don't you come along with us for a year? I said, why don't you come along with me? He said, well, he said, because you're already so busy, you don't have time to really teach me. He was, he was true, it was true in one sense, as far as maybe formal teaching. So I said, well, how about this? How about if there's an area that you would like to pursue that you feel you'd like to learn about, and, and, if, and if my spiritual gift is in that area, why don't you, why don't you give me that much time and, and I'll share with you my gift? And why don't we look at other workers and let them share with you their gift? You know what he did? He ended up spending one year with four full-time workers in the area. He learned everything from song leading to how to, uh, uh, how to organize uh, a wedding and a funeral and hospital visitation. And he'd already had four years of Bible school. It, it wasn't like that we were gonna necessarily go back over everything in Bible school with him again, but he needed to know how, how does it work out in real life? Uh, live, live with a family that has a lot of children. Uh, how does that work out at home? Uh, how, how, do you, uh, how do you approach someone whose loved one has just passed away? And they call on the elders or someone in leadership for help. 
how would you ever learn that? And so that year he spent with four individuals in our area. That young man is an elder in an assembly today, and he's not perfect, but I'll tell you something. He's got a good foundation in the Word of God, and he's got a, a good uh, foundation in, in circumstances and experiences of life. And how did he get that? Sort of informally passed on by just rubbing shoulders with someone else and learning from their experience too. You see, everybody here qualifies for that. You don't have to have a degree in Bible. You don't have to say, well, I've got the gift of discipling, uh, if that is a gift. <laughs> uh, you, 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 don't, you, you don't have to say, well, uh, I, I'm a teacher in real life and, and, and secular life, and so I can teach the Bible. Uh, you, it's passing it on, passing your faith on, passing what you know from the Word of God on. This is the strategy. Don't go alone, because if you go alone, at the end, there's nobody to hand it to. It's just someone who now assumes something, and perhaps they know very little or have done very little, and they will just propagate that whole thing over and over and over. Somewhere we've got to stop the music. Somewhere we've got to start this process, this strategy of passing on to others. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same things deposit into the life of faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making things very simple for us. We don't have to have some special degree in secular academics in order to understand the simplicity of your plan. It's just a father passing on to his children, to his wife. Just a Christian passing on what he learned this week to another Christian in the meeting. Just Christians rubbing shoulders with Christians, families encouraging families, just passing on the truth of God's word practically worked out in our lives every day. This is the strategy. God's work done God's way. And no, Lord, there are many gray areas in how to do this, and we would be very careful to demand any particular way. But if we're walking in the light, then we need to be able to pass that on to someone else. And so bless these dear ones now, in later years in life. They perhaps think, well, I, I, there's not much I can do, but their children are watching, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren are watching Young believers are watching, and surely they want to be able to pass on, to commit, to deposit in their lives the things that they have learned over the years. 
Oh God, may we always give glory to the Father through the Son in these endeavors. For Christ's sake, amen.